Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Protein Ramblings. Uh, just me and Naomi here today. Hello. Um, so, uh, as you guys might have seen on Facebook, we've got a bit of an impromptu uh, idea for a uh, episode. Um, we like. How did we get onto? How did so, we decide to do this? Because we were watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes. And Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Yes. And then for some reason that led to us talking about Girl Interrupted. Yes. Um, because yeah, we couldn't one of we couldn't remember if like we, we had a, a little bit of a debate of it, it was Whoopi Goldberg in Girl Interrupted. And um, when I was looking up the like looking up, uh, obviously I read the synopsis, and the thing that jumped out of me uh, was um, that Winona Ryder's character is diagnosed with borderline personality disorder in that film. And as regular listeners will know, that is a diagnosis that I have myself. And I realized that I haven't seen that film in so long. And especially I haven't seen that film since I got my diagnosis. So I thought it would be an interesting exercise to rewatch that film from multiple angles, A, obviously it's said in the 1960s, so it's uh, an interesting, okay, fictional, but still, you know, somewhat accurate, uh, well, somewhat accurate, well, no, actually somewhat accurate, uh, it look at what mental health care was like back then, and also just a, an interesting look at how uh, borderline personality disorder is or at least that era of borderline personality disorder is uh, explained, not explained, portrayed in movie. So that's what we did. We just finished watching. Yeah, like literally like what, half an hour ago? Yeah, half yeah. an hour ago. We just finished watching uh, Girl Interrupted and Eating Dominoes. And, um, the pizza, not the toys. But I think they might have known. Well, <laughs> never assume. <laughs> well, anyway, it was, um, it was definitely an interesting... Uh, exercise. Mm. Uh, one that was like, actually you found the film a little bit more emotional this time around. And that, that's not to say it's not an emotionally charged film because it very much is. Um, but it, I definitely came away with a lot of interesting thoughts and feelings about it. Yeah. Like I'm going to start at the end as we often do on this podcast. <laughs> and I like my big takeaway from the end of the film was shit is not that simple. No, this is the, this, this, this is the thing that, that really got me that when I saw it the first time around, which would have been in the early 2000s, probably not long after it was released, um, it really treats mental illness as like this switch that you flip on and off. Like, and you can be fixed. And once you're fixed, you never have a mental health problem again. You just go back into society and you don't ever have to think about that shit. And, and that's basically what happens to the character of Susanna in the film. Yeah. Like, she achieves mental health and off she goes. Yeah. Well, and that's bullshit. Oh, isn't it just? It's it's the most epic form of bullshit. Um, so yeah, like the end of the film, Winona Ryder's character is just like, oh, you know, I was a little bit sad, but I got better. Um, what was interesting uh, about the actual diagnosis in there? Because there's that scene where they get into uh, they get into the uh, head psychiatrist Ujima Flick yeah. office, and they get all their patient files. And uh, reading through the the uh, case notes, their their diagnosis, yeah, their yeah. case notes, their files, the definitions, or at least some of the symptoms that were ascribed to borderline personality disorder, there are not a million miles away from how borderline personality disorder 
is characterized today now that we have like a much better understanding of the disorder now there is a lot of dispute over the term borderline personality disorder because in the film like uh when on a ride this character Susanna when she's diagnosed she's like borderline between what and what yeah and it, it is very much a uh, bad name for the problem. I think it's, it's probably going to end up being, you know, the way people don't talk about manic depressive disorder anymore. It's, it's bipolar. That's the commonly used term. I think borderline is, probably deserves to undergo a similar well, I know, I know one of the emotional instability disorder or emo- mm. uh, unstable emotional disorder is, or something to that effect is one of the terms that's... Um, trying to be more commonly used for the disorder yeah so it's it, it, like it, it is very interesting and uh, the one thing I will say is that there are some characteristics of uh Susanna uh Winona Ryder's character that are similar um to borderline personality disorder or at least my experiences with borderline personality disorder it's a very varied disorder so i can't really speak to everybody's experiences but i would not necessarily attribute uh susanna's character of susanna the character her symptoms to borderline or if i did it would be a very mild case of borderline i guess Mm -hmm. because there was not a lot of that one like for me and i know for a lot of other people that suffer one of the core real core tenants uh is some severe lack of self-worth and almost you know a self-hatred of sorts and there are shades of that there there are there are parts and times where she does kind of show a little bit of that but it's not really prevalent the overriding thing is she's depressed yeah that seems to be what's what's magnified i mean i can't i haven't read the book i know it's a memoir so it's based on a woman's true experiences i can't speak to those no but in the film what they seem to have magnified is the sense that she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life she's depressed she's kind of lashing out at things promiscuous she's promiscuous she had sex with two people (laughs) disgusting um but that, yeah, there's not, you know, in, in my experience as someone who lives with someone with borderline, hey. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't see a lot of that in the film. You know, there's nothing that I strongly recognize and identified as, as being part of borderline. Well, one of the key things as well, I think, obviously, it's an emotional instability disorder and it's generally characterized by intense emotions mm. and it's one of the thing it's one of the things that i always think it's it's a double-edged sword with uh borderline it's kind of somewhat of a blessing but hell of a curse as well you feel emotions a lot stronger and a lot more deeply than people without borderline might yeah um and i don't want to make generalizations because again like i said this isn't the same for everybody and you can't generalize too much with these things i'm just talking about personal experience here and there, there are some benefits that can come with that because i think you have a deep i think i like for me for me personally i feel like i have maybe a deeper sense of empathy than maybe a normal person was despite how much of an asshole i can be <laughs> and you know i can well, be that's, a, that's the flip side of the coin right <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like i think i you know i think like 
that that I understand. You know, when people are sad, I can, I I feel like I can sense that a little bit more. Mm. Um, not always, not always, and you know, it's not. But I definitely think there's because you're so you're living with so many tumultuous emotions all the time. You really start to recognize those emotions in other people. Yeah. Um, it's it, like I say, it, it, it's something that I actually in some ways kind of i don't want to use the word like but i choose to see as a positive side of the disorder mm -hmm. because it, it help it helps me to think of it as not a wholly negative effect yeah i think that's the way i yeah yeah that, that, that's the probably the best way i can put it um what i did want to actually because uh, just in terms of like because borderline it's it's been a term and it's been a term that's been bandied around for a very long time but it's only in fairly recent times that it's actually been a clinical affirmed definition that's existed in the uh, dsm uh can you remember the, what the dsm acronym stands for diagnostic <laughs> something of medicine maybe i forget the dsm basically is the big book of disorders and things well if it's a if it's a recognized illness of some it's in the dsm according to google it stands for dutch state minds it doesn't <laughs> that's not uh, look for dsm health <laughs> or dsm mental health and you'll find the acronym but so the first the term first actually came oh Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's the one. Uh, I think we're on DSM-4 now. Maybe although possibly I know, 5, I think. No, I think it's 4. I, I don't know if it's 4 or 5. And I do know a lot of people still reference DSM-3, mm. which is pretty archaic. Um, and that's actually the first time BPD was really was actually included so, in something. Uh, this Girl Interrupted is, is set in the 60s. It looks like... It wasn't a, a formally recognised uh, condition or disorder, or till nineteen eighty. Yeah, they were there was still was... research being done into it in the sixties, yeah. which I think is quite interesting in the light of the film and her being diagnosed with it. Very, very much so, and it also uh, it it just highlights that back in the sixties, seventies, that that general era of terrible mental health <laughs> care and diagnosis and that just suck it up and don't be sad kind of attitude fucking boomers mm. it, it, it was literally like oh we don't really know what's wrong with you so you're borderline yeah yeah it was kind of it was and it almost was, like a placeholder yeah like but, we're gonna put and, you down as this until we figure out something and, else uh it was ver also very much uh attributed to like a, a an offshoot of schizophrenia mm. and having uh also been someone who suffered with at least schizophrenic symptom uh symptoms if not schizophrenia in its full-blown hellscape um you know i've had i've heard voices and had to take antipsychotics and things 
aren't I just a hot mess? <laughs> You're an interesting case study. <laughs> yeah, I am that. <laughs> uh, it's it, so yeah. It was very much uh, like treated as kind of almost like being related to that, and I and, and I think now it's it. it although there are a lot of um, is it comorbidity is the right yeah. yeah yeah. So there's a lot of comorbidities that can happen with uh, with borderline. It generally doesn't manifest solely by itself. It's normally along with a number of other things. Like myself, I was borderline, PTSD, eating disorder, and, you know, depression, anxiety, um, and just a plethora of other shit. Like, I'm, again, a hot mess. (laughs) so it, 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 it's definitely evolved. I mean, a quick timeline of BPD. So 1938 was the first term of the used, or the first time, time this started to kind of crop up. Uh, it was Aldolf Stern, I believe. Uh, he lists the most diagnosed criteria and calls the group of people affected the borderline group. Then in 1941... Gregory Zilborg uh, describes the disorder of a, as a mild version of schizophrenia, which I really think is so far. I do, but again, mark. it's that thing of like this is a placeholder diagnosis. Like this is we don't really know. We're going to put you down as borderline, and then later it'll probably turn out you're schizophrenic. Yeah, I mean, it could be even like you know, tr- like a name for like. Because schizophrenia does it can come on really intensely mm. and just out of nowhere, but it can also steadily increase and get worse so maybe it was something like you know early stage schizophrenia was borderline and then yeah you are on the borderline of becoming schizophrenic yeah maybe um who who knows how how people back then thought apart from wrong (laughs) (laughs) um then in 1942 so a year later uh helena uh, deutsch defines the type of people dependent on other personalities as having an as if personality and like i was saying before dependency and fear of abandonment as well are two of the really common symptoms of borderline personality disorder then again in the 1940s uh, robert knight introduces ego psychology oh god uh, and describes patients as being in borderline states now i don't really know what he meant by borderline states so i know from borderline personality disorder uh, and my experiences you do have a uh, high intensity states because one of the characteristics because we we're saying that like, you feel emotion a lot more intensely so imagine like a you know a bell curve graph and your baseline is right at the bottom of the you know bottom of the xy axis and then you feel an emotion and it goes up and normally what happens is people emotions go up and they come down and they give you that bell curve so what happens with people in bp with bpd is their emotional state will go up and it will hit that kind of peak of the bell curve and then another thing will trigger another emotion or heighten that same emotion. And before your emotional state has had time to come back down to its resting norm, it heightens even further. And that cascades and cascades and cascades until you get into a manic episode or, you know, a severe uh, crisis, effectively, uh, a crisis state. Um, so mm, I think that might be what he meant by borderline states of those crisis periods. Then we kind of fast forward quite a few years into 1967 and Otto Kernberg. Have you noticed how it's a lot of like Germany, Dutchy type 
though like well germany names like a <laughs> lot, lot of psychologists were germans right uh based on this list all of them were yeah yeah i mean apart from was, robert knight i guess when what was freud german was, uh, was he austrian austrian well same difference was he come on now <laughs> you can't be saying things like that <laughs> Did he talk like this? Yeah, he was Austrian. Okay, so he was Austrian. So you know um, that that neck of the woods, at least. So I wonder what it, I wonder what it was about. Do you reckon? Because when did Freud first come about? Let's go back to Google. Yeah, back to Google. You should go. Because there was part of me that was wondering, like after the Second World War and uh, and Hitler, if they all just went. That guy was nuts. Well, Freud, really uh, <laughs> Sigmund Freud died in 1939. Okay, so pre pre World War Two, um, pre Hitler. Because I like I just wonder if like a lot like a lot of like German Austrian that kind of era were like that guy was nuts. We need to look into we, this we, shit. We've got some stuff to unpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was saying in 1967, Otto Kernberg defines boundaries between psychotic and neurotic, and he places a borderline personality in the middle. So that to me is a little bit wrong. This, I, uh, that as a as a definition of it is, I think, very uh, uh, interesting, misguided. I'm sorry about the smacks there. I'm just supping on a gin and tonic. <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, there's definitely neuroses in borderline. Like, oh god, there's definitely. But I like, think saying that the spectrum is psychotic and neurotic. Yeah, there's there's a lot in between those two. I feel. well, and there's a lot either side as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I mean, I I just don't think there's a hard line between you're you're neurotic now you're psychotic. Like, yeah, it's it's not... like that lethal dose of radiation thing. You know, it's like up to this point you're fine. Oh, you mean like but, in Star Trek? Yeah. Like in, in in Star Trek: New Generation, like they're like ten minutes until lethal radiation dose i'm like you're still gonna be pretty yeah, sick in like, five well, you know at, at nine minutes and 59 seconds we're good but at 10 minutes we're dead and it, it seems like it's the same thing <laughs> like you're fine up to a certain point but the and minute you step your cycle yeah exactly yeah like you were you were just a little bit nervous but now now you're crazy so after Otto, uh, we come to 1968 again, another year later. Uh, Roy Grinker. He doesn't he... sound German. No, Grinker. That's a an odd name. I'm not. Grinker's I'm... a bit Yorkshire. Ah, Roy. Ah, Roy Grinker. That ah, was Roy terrible. Grinker. I'm so sorry. That was a terrible Yorkshire yeah, accent. Yeah, actually, I'm, I, like I can normally do a fairly good Yorkshire accent. Sorry, Skelly. <laughs> We're completely butchering your neck of the woods. Although Ghouls, a different accent altogether. But yeah, um, Roy Grinker uh, does the first research into borderline personality disorder. So this is when it's really starting to be researched as it's uh, uh, you know looked into with more depth to try and gain more understanding of this general catch-all disorder that they've kind of come up with and pulled out their arse. Then we fast forward again to the 70s and we get John Gunderson. That's definitely... Well, that's, that's a bit a, Scandi. That's yeah, it could be Scandi. Gunderson could, it could, could be Scandinavian. Could, it, could all, it could equally just be American as well, like, mm. you know, uh, Scandi refuge. Gunderson. Gunderson. John Gunderson. Gunderson. John Gunderson. <laughs> P.I. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a Pinkerton man, definitely. Yeah. Um, so he publishes um, research to help diagnose BPD. And that's the thing about BPD. It's a very, very difficult thing to diagnose. It's actually quite often 
medic- mental health professionals, say BPD patients, are some of the most difficult to work with as well. Um, and it, because it's a very complex disorder, it, it, it's often misdiagnosed. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the misdiagno- common misdiagnoses a bit later, later on. In case you hadn't noticed, by the way, this is another mental health episode. Sorry. In case this wasn't really apparent. Um, <laughs> but we are going to get back to Girl Interrupted yeah. as well in a bit. But I just want to give some background because, you know, I do research for this podcast sometimes. It's <laughs> not just complete rambling mess. So, yes, uh, we then flip on to, we then go fast forward another five years and we finally get BPD included in, uh, like we were saying, DSM-3. Then this is where the interesting stuff happens. In 1993, Martian Linehan introduces dialectical behavioral therapy as an effective treatment. Now, you'll have heard me, if you've listened to our previous episodes on mental health you'll have heard me talk about dbt because it was the therapy that i had for borderline and it's 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 really fascinating therapy it's a very in-depth complex difficult therapy to actually do but what's really cool about it and its conception is that Marsha Linehan uh, herself was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and obviously went through a lot of different treatments and recognized that none of them worked. So she actually said, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to develop my own treatment for with myself. blackjack and hookers. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Like she's, she's. I mean, I think she might still be kicking around. Yeah. There are video. There are videos that she's put out on YouTube. I'll try and. Oh, I'll, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll link to some in the show notes because I had to watch some of them as part of our um, uh, BPD therapy. Uh, then, and the therapy itself is made up of multiple components, but it's, and it, like I'll say, like. A, a, veering back to what we were saying about the end of Girl Interrupted about everything being you know neatly tied off in a bow that shit oh, do you know what I'll come back to that in a minute I'll finish this, yeah, this we're timeline there, we're, nearly, we're there. nearly there yeah so after 1993 Marshall and Han developing BPD we get uh, the next year DSM-4 being published and it further goes to define uh, with a bit more nuance the symptoms of BPD required for diagnosis then we move to 2008, rapidly forward, and as we discussed in our special back in May, this is when the U.S. House of Representatives actually declared May as the national borderline disappointment. <laughs> Sorry, Nero is broken. Here is the emergency broadcast signal. <laughs> <laughs> I use a mouthful of sentence. The U.S. House of Representatives uh, declared May the national borderline personality disorder Disorder awareness month fucking hell like (laughs) it's not that hard to say i could say it fluently in english (laughs) well as as we've just proved no you could not (laughs) do you want me to do it (laughs) yes let the the author do it author not narrator still better (laughs) you have the best words you are better with words than me (laughs) the best words (laughs) the u.s house of representatives declares may as national borderline personality disorder awareness month fuck i was hoping you'd cock it up (laughs) (laughs) so i could point and laugh (laughs) Uh, so yeah and then we come to the current times where there's still a lot of ongoing research going into the 
uh, the the condition. Like I say, BPD, uh, DBT, rather. So many acronyms. Mm-hmm. So many acronyms. And so, like, and also BPD is, like, as an acronym, so often confused. When you tell people you got BPD, like, oh, you're, bo- you're bipolar. It's like, no, there's two BPDs on mm-hmm. the other one, the less common one, mm-hmm. or the less, the less, is it less glamorous? I don't know. Like, what but, defines the glamour of a mental health? I mean, health we, could, we could do a whole episode on, like, mental illness and, and art and, and my yeah. feelings about that. Uh, but Well, I mean, we're going to talk about it in this, because, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, at least on on uh, in reference to Girl Interrupted mm-hmm. and some films, as other films as well. Um, so... As I was saying, uh, in regards to DBT um, and the end of, uh, uh, I was going to say borderline interrupted, (laughs) (laughs) the end of girl interrupted. Like like we were saying, you know, she's just like, she's better. She leaves. She's better now. Mm. And it it gives you that sense that, oh, this is just something that you can just tie a bow in and and be off. Yeah. And, you you know, you'll never have to think about this again. It'll never be a problem in your life again because you have removed it from your system. And even though, you know, like online material will say that DBT can provide uh, patients with remission, I think remission might be the wrong term because what DBT does in its essence, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but what DBT really does is it gives you an understanding of your condition, but it also helps you to recognize your condition and the symptoms that come along with it and gives you the tools to help manage it. And I think when you say, when you say remission, especially within the terms of a mental health issue, what you're actually meaning is you are in a place where you are able to cope and manage your condition on a day-to-day basis so it doesn't interfere with your life. That doesn't mean you don't still struggle and fight yeah, every day. And I think that's that's true of... And, you know, not to take away from what we're talking about, but I think that's true of oh. most, if not all, mental illnesses. You know, you 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 manage it yeah. every single day. There's never a point in my experience where I've just been like, that's gone now. I had 12 therapy sessions on the NHS and now I'm completely fixed. I've flipped that switch. It just doesn't happen. No, I think, and it, it, and I, and this is what I was wanting to talk about the end of Girl Interrupted. I thought, and, and a lot of, uh, films and media that deal with mental health, they always do seem to like either, oh, well, he's crazy forever and he's in a padded cell for the rest of his life, or he got better and everything's fine. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think it gives a false impression. Because like, speaking from personal experience, all I ever wanted was just to be fixed, you know? I just wanted to be normal and be better. And it's only through maturity and years have gone by and multiple different types of therapy, counselling, and my own research that I've come to that realisation that, okay, yeah, do you know what? I'm never going to be what I would idealise as being normal or fixed. And that's okay. Mm. It's fine. But you need to understand, I think, you know, once you understand that and you realize that actually you're, you know, it's never going to go away. You're just going to get better and better and better at dealing with it. You, 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 that's actually quite empowering in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it gives you a a framework, doesn't it? It gives you, you, to put yourself in. It also, yeah, it gives you a framework. It gives you a rash, it gives you rationale and it gives you, um, what, objectivity. Mm. And uh, I think that's really, really important to deal with dealing with the mental yeah. health disorder, Definitely. especially because objectivity is something that you 
you can lose so easily mm. and the the mess of noise and the intensity of emotion and everything else that goes on in your head um depending on your condition of course and like i say i i'm i'm talking about my own personal experiences here mm. and i don't want to project my experiences onto anyone else out there because i know everybody is individual and everyone has their own experiences and they're may well be people out there uh that have you know they do say i am 100 percent fine now and it, if that is the case i am the happiest for you. yeah absolutely like great yeah like, like fucking amazing you, you deserve that yeah <laughs> everybody deserves that everybody but does. i think like with girl interrupted <laughs> it makes it seem so easy it, it does it's just like oh she's one day she decided she was just going to write about how she felt and talk and, and that kind of, it was almost like a purging. It's like you have to kind of bleed this wound. And once you've got rid of the bad blood, you're fine. <laughs> and it also kind of set her above the other girls in the film. Like, she's not crazy the way they're crazy. You know, like, they're, they're yeah. crazy, crazy. She's just like, she's just going through some things. And once she's written about them, she'll be fine. She can go back to society. What she is, is middle class white crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, she's suburban crazy. That's what it, it is. It right? kind of is. It's very much. It's very much treated as just like this blip in her life. And for some people, I you know maybe that can be the case. But I don't know. I mean, like I've, you know, my dad had a psychotic break. He was never the same afterwards. Yeah, he went back to work. He went back into society, but he was not fixed. No, no. You know, and I think a problem with a lot of literature and films and materials that that shine a light on mental health maybe it's just because they want to put out a good message and be like look you could be going through this it's fine there's a light at the end of the tunnel and, the, the, and the, that's the thing there is a light at the end of the tunnel but it may but not look not, like that it's not that no, nice well, tidy that, that, that light at the end of the tunnel that light at the end of the tunnel is not an exit it's just someone's turned on the lights and given you a clear path forward yeah so you can see the rest of the tunnel and you know what's coming and you know what to expect yeah that's the light at the end of the tunnel it's not and this, an none of this is to say that if you are suffering from any kind of mental health problem you shouldn't seek help because no. there's no point like you should treatments are there treatments work but I think giving this this idea that it, that, yeah, that it's flipping a switch, that it's something you can just put in a box and put away and never think about again, can in itself be damaging. Because if you relapse, if you don't, when I had to go back into counselling the second time for depression, I felt like a failure. I remember that was the thing I said to the counsellor. He was like, so how's it going? I was like, I feel like such a failure because I'm back here because I kind of thought I was done with this shit. Yeah. And he had to point out that like, you know, this is a maintenance thing. You, you may feel like this again in the future and you may have to go back and speak to another counsellor. It's not failing. It's like taking it's a car in a, for a service. Yeah, it's tuning up. Yeah, yeah, it's taking a car in for, you know, like your brain needs a service every now and again. Hell, I, like I, don't, I, I almost think that there's some benefit to, even if you don't have a mental health disorder, Talking to someone sometimes can just like you might not even realize that you that there's something bothering you well, until you talk about it. It's maybe one of the things we need to change about. But you know, maybe <laughs> mental That's illness is is the wrong term. You know, if you thought about it, like you take care of your body by, in theory, exercising, <laughs> eating well. Not me. And <laughs> and in theory, that means you then don't have to go to the doctor as often, yeah. right? So you know, maybe if we change the terminology and and focus more on mental health, you take care of your brain and your emotions. So that you don't have to go through anything more serious, yeah, rather than waiting till you're at breaking point. That's very. That, I think that's very true. And again, that that's that's something that would come with time and mm. the, the you know re further reduction of that stigma mm. around mental health issues. Because I think 
our generation are definitely a lot better and a yeah. lot more open. I think because a lot of us, are a lot of our generation have dealt with <laughs> depression, anxiety, and neurosis. Thanks, parents of the millennials, <laughs> you know, like fucking boomers, just like. Mm. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think because a lot of us have dealt with, or at least know someone who who has dealt with some form of at least on a mild case, you know depression is so common anxiety is so mm. common um and then they can be a lot more especially anxiety people could pe people have a tendency to, to dismiss anxiety yeah as not something that serious but unless you've had anxiety you don't realize how crippling that shit can I think be even sometimes when you have it you don't really realize how it's warping your view of the world yeah, you know like I, I i as a person with anxiety i think the way i think is completely normal <laughs> it's only when you say to somebody else you know you would describe a scenario to them and explain why it was making you anxious they're like that's that's not a normal reaction to things <laughs> so for you like being outside <laughs> looking in a <the> mirror <laughs> it's like I, I went to into a room there were five people it was shit but it is shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This you is can't what, this just is what, leave me alone with strangers. This is why pande the pandemic is like her best favorite. Oh, I'm living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen another human being for weeks. Apart from me, and yeah. I don't count. <laughs> no, you don't make me anxious. <laughs> no, I'm just not human. <laughs> Big secret reveal. <laughs> it's not borderline, it's lizard personism. <laughs> I was going to say I'm an alien, but fine. Also possible. Fine, lump me in, Wait, look, lump me in with the GOP. The lizards, lizard people are aliens. No, they're lizard people. Yeah, but they're aliens. They're not native to Earth. No, they're just slightly more evolved salamanders. <laughs> I think we're talking about different lizard people. <laughs> you don't you don't know the truth about the lizard people. I'm talking about that X-Men where he's got the salamander hand. What? Not X-Men, X-Files. <laughs> it's like I remember that X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> no, you remember the uh, the killer that Mulder put away and he gets the salamander hand and he comes stalking. <laughs> do you not remember that episode? I do, I just never thought of it as the salamander hand. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, back on track. Uh, so as we were talking about the diagnosis, uh, the scene in Girl Interrupted where she's reading her diagnosis, there are some things in that that do still ring true with the current... Um, criteria for diagnosis with borderline personality disorder today so the main criteria uh, i have them here i'm just gonna read them off quickly are intense fear and uh, of abandonment and frantic efforts to avoid it and they, you know this is something that i like you're mentally you know like you'd be like oh i'm going away for the night and i just start an argument yeah yeah you know, and it's like, and it's it's completely fucking irrational. Mm -hmm. And I know everything's fine, but there's just part of me that's like, well, fuck you then, you know, <laughs> fucking, fucking. I'm going to have my own night in with Blackjack and Hooker. <laughs> which was largely. And you're not invited. Which was largely, actually, I'm going to have my own night in with whiskey and stabbing Westwood. Almost But that's one thing I think I like to think I've got a, like a way better handle on that now. Like, when you went, I still, I, I still have a weird thing where if you're not there, I can't sleep in bed. You can't sleep when I am there. Well, I know, but we I just, I, I, I find the, I find the bed. To, I like, I've got better. Like when you went back to the UK, uh, when we were living back at the old place, mm. I like, I was okay. The first night I slept on the couch, but that was largely just because I, I got really stoned and fell asleep watching TV. Uh, 
I mean, there was part of it was like, I just didn't really, but the second night I went to bed and it, you know, and whereas before I would just, I would just not sleep in the bed uh, it, because it just felt too void, devoid mm. and empty. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've shared a bed with you like virtually every night for the last 12 years. Yeah. It just feels weird when you're not there. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> if I wake up and you're not in bed because you're, you're down here gaming or whatever, I, I have that moment where I'm like, everything's gone horribly wrong. And then I remember that you're in the house and it's fine. And we're not codependent at all. No, no, we're, we're very, very <laughs> independent. very sarcastically, but we're actually not at all. No, no, we're really not. Like, you know, we both, we're both very much independent and have our own interests and do our own things. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of stuff together, but that's because we're best friends as yeah. well. Look at us being similar about our relationship. <sighs> relationship goals. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's one. The next one is risky, reckless, and impulsive behavior, which is, oh God, I should, like, that. that's me to a T. Um, like, impulsivity, mm. like... Especially when it comes to buying shit. I'm just like, (laughs) like, case in point, uh, like earlier this morning, I've just like bought over like nearly a grand and a half's worth of board game. Not just this morning. (laughs) No, no, no. But like like earlier this month of a a friend, a friend, I bought a grand and a half worth of board game because I'm just like, yeah, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. that." And it's like, and it it leads to problems because I also, I've got like this compulsive collective type thing Mm. as well. So I collect now board games. <laughs> anime figurines vape gear vape gear I think you could put tattoos in there yeah I definitely collect tattoos I'm 75% covered I would say mm-hmm. cats um, <laughs> we only have three yeah but it's we not like only Olivia. have one <laughs> so yeah, you know I, like, I don't think you can say you've got a collection of cats until you've got Olivia levels of cats well okay well we're not going into that level no and the other things like I get like I'm starting to get a compulsion for collecting microphones now for the podcast <laughs> is it like, gonna be tarantulas next no, no, I only want one tarantula. Okay. Like, because as much as I want them for the animal, I also, there's a part of me that, because you don't really handle tarantulas that much, is it a display piece mm-hmm. as well? And it's your fault. <laughs> Sorry? Well, no, it's, um, uh, uh, oh, what's her name in uh, Blood Canticles? Lola? Yeah, what's her tarantula's name? I can't remember. You can't remember your own character. The tarantula isn't a character. <laughs> she is. It's oh, she's named after a goddess. Yeah, go- a. the goddess of sloth. I don't know. I uh, agora agora. agora. I haven't written the Blood Canticles book for for a year or so. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't remember what's fucking happening. So I, I, I yeah. Uh, so reading through one of Naomi's books, which when the final one comes out, we're going to do an episode about those because part of me they're amazing. Anyway, um, so yeah, I collect a lot of stuff, video games uh, and. Whiskey, hot sauce. sauce. And this is the problem. All the things I want to collect are fucking expensive. (laughs) Um, So the next one uh, is self-injurious behavior, including suicide thoughts or actions without dwelling on it uh, and getting into too much of a depressing note. Obviously, I've got a series, a history of self-harm and suicide attempts. So yeah, check. Next, we come to chronic boredom and or feelings of emptiness. And this was something that I, I still suffer with from now. Uh, now, And I, I characterize it almost as a, a, a kind of sense of listlessness. There'll be times where I'll just kind of be sat there and it's like, I just don't know what to do. You know, if everything feels kind of devoid and of anything and like everything kind of grays out for want of a better term like you'll you'll remember i don't have it so much anymore but i sometimes have those like really catatonic states well you have you have days where you're just like so what's the plan today and i'm like there is no plan shit (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Do we need a plan? <laughs> yes, we always need a plan. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd have these car- I'd have these like catatonic states where I'd just sit there mm-hmm. and stare into space for like a good half hour, even an hour at a time. Those again have become less and less because when those tend to happen now, I employ a bit. I, I use the opportunities to practice mindfulness, and it helps that pass. So that that's good. Hey, next uh, trouble maintaining personal relationships, and this has been one that, to some extent, I like. I'm very fortunate in that I have a wealth of very patient and good close friends so even though i may have strained relationships at times people have stuck with me you know are i you know there are i'm not always the easiest person <laughs> to live with uh but i i also like to think that you know I, i'm at least a nice enough person to kind of be worth the while so yeah well i mean i've stuck around for 12 years yeah so i think i, I think i that one i've whereas maybe with a different group of friends that might have been the case but i've been very fortunate on that front um then we move on to one <laughs> yes my, check <laughs> my, my calling card my raison d'etre my raison d'etre if you will yelling at inanimate objects <laughs> inappropriate anger <laughs> Like, I had an outburst of it the other day when I was just really stressed at work and the cats were being noisy. I'm just like, no, if you meow again, I will skin you alive. My God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I do that again. That's something that's a lot more in control these days. And I can kind of, even when I do have those outbursts, not long after I kind of return to normal and a mm. bit of a baseline, I'm like, okay, yeah, I was being a dick. Like gamer rage was one of my <laughs> big things. Uh, then on just intense moves, mood swings again something i've managed to at least pretend not to have as much anymore if not definitely you know internally my mood might be swinging more than a pendulum on acid on speed um it's just like the, the whole it's gonna be like a pendulum on acid <laughs> what would that be um, just a wobbly mess <laughs> which is a person on acid <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it, it again. It's something that like those intense mood swings. It, like I was talking about that bell curve before uh, of emotion on top of emotion on top of emotion. Those can be those are what tribute to those 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 really intense mood swings. Unstable sense of self image is the next one um, that can manifest in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think that's where I was talking about that um, that sense of lack, like lack of self worth. Uh, self-hatred uh this can also include this you know body dysmorphia there are lots that that is a very broad spectrum of things that can be characterized as an unstable sense of (laughs) self-image and the final one is disassociative symptoms and paranoid thoughts like my paranoia at times has definitely got the better of me especially in relation to work at times you know i constantly question if i'm good enough or uh, don't eat the microphone kazu we've got it kazu don't Ka- Ka- <laughs> uh, so our, our main can just jumped up and is like trying to eat naomi's microphone <laughs> i'm just it's normally my hair so and my beard mm. but yeah so that's something that um uh that uh yeah i've I've definitely the disassociative symptoms were never as strong for me but i definitely had them and when they like okay not not strong was the wrong term not as frequent but they were strong when i did have them again i don't think i've really had a dissociative episode 
I'm trying to say for maybe like uh, oh, I don't know. I oh, well, so long that it's hard for me to think of my last real one. Again, this is just tantamount to if you commit to some uh, to a therapy. Oh, excuse me. Uh, if you commit to a therapy like DBT, it can be very, very beneficial. But mm-hmm. you, that's the thing with therapy as well. You really need to work at it to get the best of it. Yeah. Actually, so, I think that's that's something in the film that the that I did think rang true is there's a point where Susanna is like, I'm going to use the resources in this place. I'm going to work on recovery. Yeah, that's that's very true. And like, I, I, I therapy sometimes is misunderstood in that people think of it as a medical treatment like getting antibiotics it's something that's given to you and you take it and then you're better and that's not really true at least not for most therapies obviously medication can play a part in therapy and obviously you just take that and that can help but the actual therapy itself is something that you have to actively participate in and work at. Like with DBT, hell, I had homework. <laughs> I've not had homework since I was at school. I didn't do my fucking homework then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's definitely something that you need to actively engage with and want to participate in in order to get the benefit from it. And yeah, I'd agree. In terms of Girl Interrupted, that's, that's one positive side of the way they portray things in there in that uh, you know she yeah like you say she's like no i'm going to use this place and she starts engaging with her doctors and therapists as misguiding guiding guided mm-hmm. and sometimes just abjectly terrible they are uh, i just dropped my vape so uh naomi uh as misguided and terrible as they are it, it's still uh, i think a good message that like you you work with these people they work with you that's part of of putting together your coping toolkit. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And with BPD, um, one of the notes here that I picked up, like, I'm going to, all the, all the reference material I've talk, used to talk about BPD, I'll put in the show notes. But one of the things that, it, the uh, paragraphs that I've got here, which definitely reads true, uh, is BPD symptoms pervade a person's life and they interfere with every aspect of that and I, I can tell you that from experience they interfere with learning social your behavior social activities your job and those suffering from bpe are very sensitive to emotional uh, uh sorry environmental triggers and that's that that's really really true like you know for me certain tv shows certain subject matters hell even just sometimes if i if i was having a particularly bad um period i could be in a bar with my friends and you know i'd go to the bathroom and then while i was in the bathroom everybody hates me it's just like you know it's just it's it's very irrational at times and uh it, it is really something that that pervade like you say pervades it just infects every aspect of your life um the pattern of symptoms uh, can often be present in more than one setting as well. So it, you, sometimes you might not... This is why D, DBT is really, really good because it helps you understand what your triggers are and what thing You you might realize that there are things that trigger the symptoms and these um, heightened emotions that you didn't realize were doing that before. So it helps you to better prepare if you know you have to go into those situations. Like it was mentioned before, 
my job, I'd be very paranoid a lot of the time about my bosses and things. And understanding that made it easier to rationalize those paranoid things of like, no, this is probably just in my head. And if it ever got really bad, I was actually able to just kind of like talk to the person <laughs> as opposed to letting things spiral inside yeah. my own head. But uh, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it takes a very, very skilled clinician to diagnose BPD because we there are so many potential misdiagnoses for BPD because it has a lot of characteristic characteristics 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 of other traumas and disorders in there as well. Mm. One of the most common. Uh, is CPTSD like compl uh, complex post traumatic uh, complex post traumatic stress disorder? Thank you, woman with words. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna be like, thank you, woman. And I was ready to be all like, how dare you? <laughs> no, I, 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 I've only, I don't think I, I've only ever called you woman in jest. That's true. I, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Like her indoors or the old ball and chain. <laughs> Erin so Dawes is still my favourite. That's <laughs> what Skelly used to call me when yeah. we lived together. Oh, <laughs> uh, Erin Dawes. Uh, but yeah, well, it's, it, like to be honest, it's not the most non-accurate description. It's not description. untrue, yeah. <laughs> I am usually indoors. Well, like like I mentioned, I, I you know, I, I, I was diagnosed with some PTSD symptoms as well. Uh, and that, like I said, there were a lot of similarities between post-traumatic stress disorder and borderline so it's quite often uh, a misdiagnosis that happens i mean there was a period of time where people were leaning towards thinking actually no maybe we should just reclassify borderline as some kind of po uh, post match post traumatic why stress can't disorder? i speak today this is this is I've barely, I've drunk <laughs> half a glass of gin. This is not a good track for a podcast host. <laughs> Jesus wept. But yes, uh, like I was saying, there was a period of time where they were dis discussing, like I say, they, medical health professionals uh, tabled the idea of kind of treating BPD is just a form of PTSD, but that was eventually shot down because there are some fairly significant differentiating factors. It's just there's quite often a lot of BPD ha can be a, like one of it, it's it's quite often to find people sufferers of BPD have some form of trauma in their lives, mm -hmm. which is why this was kind of like mm, maybe it's this, but there's so much more that goes with BPD uh, than just than just the uh, trauma. trauma, which is why that... that And then the other one, bipolar disorder, can often be misdiagnosed as well as misunderstood because the acronym, same thing. But because uh, of the, those, those crisis periods of heightened emotion that comes with borderline, they can often be seen as uh, the, the, the the kind of highs and manics mm. of, uh, of uh, bipolar. And then obviously you do have very morose and depressed periods as well. So again, if you're not a, a skilled clinician and know what to look for, yeah, it's easy to see why those two different things could be confused. Yeah. I think as well, because there's a lack of understanding about borderline and what it is and how it manifests. There's misunderstanding amongst clinicians and therapists as to, as to 
as to what a person with borderline is like. You know, I've read articles where therapists will say people with borderline are manipulative. They can't be trusted. And it's almost like they're bracketing it with, you know, more extreme antisocial personality disorders. Um, what's happening? Nothing's happening. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that was kind of, that was that was the end of my point. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was just tweaking with some volume settings. Uh, but yes, like I was saying, uh, yeah, there is that constant thing of... In fact, you know what? This is a good time we cycle back to movies uh, and portrayals. So that manipulative side of things, I think because, yes, there is an element of uh, people with BPD being manipulative to a degree, it's not manipulation in the typical sense. Like It's not the manipulation that you would see from someone like a sociopath who, you know, try, who can identify people's weaknesses, prey upon them and manipulate people to, to their own ends. Typically, the manipulation from, from BPD, it comes from that fear of abandonment mm. and not wanting to be left alone. So you, you manipulate scenario like me having arguments with you and things <laughs> like that. Although, you know, it's like, I don't want you to leave. So I'm going to have an argument with you because that'll make you want to stay. <laughs> yeah. it's, this is creating a positive environment. Yeah. So, uh, one really good example of a bad example <laughs> of uh, borderline personality disorder, deployed. Fuck my life. Depicted. Uh, depicted or displayed. Or portrayed. Uh, portrayed. Yeah, so dis depicted and portrayed becomes deployed. Detrayed? <laughs> deployed. Uh, is in a 1971 Clint Eastwood film. I mean, given Clint Eastwood's recent track record, already off to a bad start mm. there. Although, do love some classic Eastwood films. Uh, it, the film's called uh, Play Misty for Me. And in it... Clint Eastwood plays a radio DJ, uh, often does poetry on radio, uh, but there's this one woman that constantly calls into the radio station and asks him to play this jazz song called Misty. Uh, eventually she meets up with him, like she tracks him down, meets up with him, they get into a relationship and she becomes like really obsessive and she hurts herself, threatens to kill herself and um, like if he leaves and um, he she stabs a house made or something like that and ends up in a psychiatric hospital um then uh, he meets up with the next girlfriend gets into a relationship with her she, then he's on the air she she phones in again this the, the 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 this character being portrayed as having bpd causing she called evelyn sorry evelyn Evelyn. Yeah, Evelyn. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she calls back into the radio station to say uh, that she wants him to play Misty again. And uh, then she says she's going to Hawaii. She's better now. Oh, yes. Everything's great. I'm out of the psychiatric hospital. And um, then the next thing... I believe she shows, like, he's asleep and she shows up in his house and tries to stab him in his sleep. He gets away um, and calls the police, but she legs it. And then he tells his girlfriend at the time, look, stay away from me from the time being because this shit's dangerous. She might come after you. Uh, eventually, she ends up becoming the housemate. She tracks down his girlfriend and becomes the housemate of his girlfriend, which is, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's basically taking, uh, and it, it all ends 
badly. She she kidnaps his girlfriend. Um, then she attacks him with a butcher knife. She slashes him. And then he, because he's Clint Eastwood, he punches her out and <laughs> knocks her down because, to quote Sean Connery, women just need hitting sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and... Um, he knocks her through a window over a railing and she dies on a rocky shore blow. So, you know, that's how you, that's how, that, that's the way to treat the people. the most effective treatment for any mental health condition. Kill the person. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's a really like extreme amplified portrayal of borderline personality disorder. And using, using disorders like that, I, I'm really critical of films that use a disorder, a real disorder, to create a bad guy. Yeah, it's really lazy and it, it happens so often. Just oh, like they're bad because they're mentally ill, because mentally ill people are bad. Yeah, and that, you know, you want to talk about the stigma around mental health and it, like mainstream media is a lot to answer for that. Mm. Like, how many times have you seen a bad guy that ends up in a psychiatric institution at the end of the day? Like, case in point, the Joker. I'm not saying the Joker's <laughs> a good guy, right? But look, look, all the Batman villains get sent to Arkham, which is a mental institution. Well, maybe, so they're all, like, bad because they're insane. <laughs> or does Gotham just have a too robust mental health system? <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe there's something in Gotham. Maybe Gotham's just depressing as fuck. I, I think that's probably true. Yeah, I probably. think that's probably a strong case. But yeah, films like this and some of the other ones we looked at before we started recording, it's because of the era they're from. There, you know, they're kind of pre nineteen nineties. I think a lot of them, like this one, is from the seventies. Play Misty for me, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's, you know, you okay? We've got this term, borderline personality disorder. Mm, the movie viewing audience probably aren't really going to know what it means. It sounds a bit upsetting and a bit unsettling. It'll do. Slap it in there, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, some of the other, uh, ex actually, one of my, <laughs> so one of my favorite, um, like, it's not, it, you know, they don't explicitly say that he has BPD, and I don't think that was necessarily the director intentions, but it's a, it's been used as a, a case study example. Uh, a psychiatrist, uh, Eric Bowie, 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 yeah. boy, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. B-U-I, however you... And uh, uh, Rachel Rogers put forward the argument that Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> uh, Darth Vader in Star Wars, obviously... <laughs> oh, that Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, no, no, the other one. <laughs> the other one from NYPD Blue. <laughs> There's your crossover. <laughs> hey, man, same universe as X-Files, I think. <laughs> uh, but... He meets six of the nine diagnostic criteria, criteria for borderline personality disorder and he's actually been a useful example uh for training psychiatrists and clinicians uh as an uh, to explain bpd that's really interesting yeah. i never really thought about that no but when you do i mean i've only seen the first of the new they're not new anymore the first of the the bad ones trilogy the bad ones but a lot of the formative events in his life are very traumatic so yeah. it kind of tracks yeah, completely. Um, but one of the key things that they really focus on are the character's fear of abandonment. Uh, like, obviously, you know, he's scared that um, Padme is going to leave him, uh, and he's scared that Obi-Wan's going to leave him. Uh, and uh, his, he has those uh, uncertainty over his identity. Like, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I so powerful? Am I good? Am I bad? Am I 
a bad actor? Yes. Um, <laughs> do I like look sand? Do I not material. like? Do I like sand? Do I not like? I feel sand? like he definitely didn't like sand. He definitely didn't like sand. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe it was too much sand. Maybe they just taken him away from there you go. Tatooine. Too much sand causes mental health illness. You've heard it here first. So stay away from beaches, everybody. You're cured, people. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Pull the sand out of your shoes and get on with it. <laughs> the boomer approach. Um, and also his disassociative episode, which, you know, obviously like, no, the force, and uh, maybe the force is all in his head. Maybe everyone who thinks they've got the force is actually just mentally ill. Maybe the force makes you mentally ill. I mean, like, to be honest, it's very possible being connected to every living being. It sounds world, pretty tiring. It really does. Uh, it's like, you know, when you, uh, obviously we were watching recently with the site, the, Oh, it was an episode of the Star, Star Trek. Trek. That, yeah, the, that's the, all we've the, been watching recently. Yeah, uh, the Betazoid, who's like really oh, goes connected little, to the universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, you know, other examples that have been cited, which we're probably not going to go into too much dis- uh, too much detail about, because just don't know enough about them. But single white female, uh, a thin line between love and hate, filth, fatal attraction, crush. Mad Love, Malicious Interiors, Mr. Nobody, Moksha, Margot at the Wedding, Welcome to Me. And the one I was saving to last because I find it really abhorrent and somewhat repugnant is The Cable Guy, the Jim Carrey film. I haven't seen The Cable Guy, but I know what Jim Carrey films are like as a, as a general rule. I mean, like, to say that, like, I, I've, I've met many people with borderline, um, no, <laughs> the, the, there's there's borderline and there's a fucking raving lunatic, mm-hmm. which is what Jim Carrey typically depicts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it, in term in general, I think there's a long way to go. In you, I think there are some films which are very well intentioned. I believe Girl Interrupted yeah, is very well intentioned. Yeah, I just think that you know, with some aspects of it. They they glamorize mental health. I think so. Some, I wonder like you if look at if you look at Angelina Jolie's character in that. Yeah, she's cool, man. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> she probably shouldn't think that, <laughs> but she is. But I, I mean, I wonder if as well. You know, when Girl Interrupted came out in 1999, it was probably <laughs> revolutionary is too strong a word, but it was probably saying things about mental health that weren't said very often, particularly about women's mental health, and particularly about women's mental health in the 60s. But now it's 2021 and things have evolved even further. Yeah. And I don't think the film stands the test of time in that I mean, respect. As a work of fiction, it's definitely it's a, it's a film. great film. Yeah. But I don't think there's too many. There are some, like we've said, there are some positive disease in there in regards to mental health. Um, I think one of the things that it, I do think I like about it and I do praise it for is it does portray everyone in there as you know a real person mm. a real human being with nuance yeah um and that's more a strength i think that's more of a strength of the actors than yeah. anything yeah. else they it's all really, really turn great cast they all turn very very good convincing performances in that but again it, it in some aspects it, it very whitewashes a lot of things mm. i think one of the one of the one of the real like obviously, it's one of the, the the more critical points of the film uh, is when they go to see they escape and they go and stay with Brittany Murphy and she kills herself. Um, it's very impactful and, and mm. you know it's it's also I think like 
the message that I, I would choose to take away from that one is that you do need to be careful with, you can't, that, that approach of, here's the shit that's wrong with you and you should just get over it mm. can do so much more damage than you might think. You might yeah. think you're being that tough love approach. Some people may respond well to it. Some people, you may force them further down into a dark hole. There are, there are parallels to, uh, and there have been studies that prove that fat shaming encourages people to gain weight rather than lose weight. I think there's probably a parallel there. Case in point, going back to Girl Interrupted, when they, there's, uh, I forget her character name, but the blonde one who's clearly got anorexia. Oh, is it Janet? Janet, yeah. And one of the first uh, it scenes with her, she's she, they're walking and she's like, give me back my fucking clothes. And Whoopi Goldberg's like, well, eat something. They're like, oh, wow, thanks. I, that fixes me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you take away my clothes, I'll eat to get my clothes back and I'm better now. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, having, being someone who suffers with an eating disorder, we'll talk about that in a different episode when I feel a bit more comfortable about it. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, shit ain't that simple. No. Like, you can't just be like, hey, don't have an eating disorder. I mean, the amount of poor fucking motherfuckers that are like, hey, you know, just eat. And here's a banana. I'm like, if, if <laughs> I had a penny I sh- for every time you've been offered a banana. <laughs> okay, just this. This is a PSA for any of my friends that might be listening to this, and, and anyone. If you offer me a banana again, I will punch you. That's that um, irrational rage we were talking. About. <laughs> no, actually, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You've like, been I, a lot of bananas. In I the don't even like the motherfucking <laughs> things. I mean, I love banana flavor, but who wants to eat baby food in fruit form? Just babies. Probably not even babies. Because like that's what that's what they are. Bananas are just a tube, a, like a, a naturally occurring tube of baby food. They are mush. Like they're they're only good dried or, or in frozen. Bread. Or in bread or frozen. Mm-hmm. Or in milk blended in milkshakes. And there are better things to have frozen. Oh yeah, definitely. But there so, are no like frozen bananas are really nice. But if someone was like, you can have this frozen banana or you can have this pint of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm not going to say the banana. I'd, I'd but put, that's a meat problem. I'd put the frozen banana in the pint of Ben and Jerry's and split the difference. <laughs> Depends on the flavor. Any um, like banana goes like the thing is banana flavor goes with everything, like virtually everything. That's true. Like best okay pro tip uh, if you're ever in the Netherlands, get pancakes with banana, yes. bacon, and maple yes. syrup. Banana and bacon is one of the best fucking combinations going. <laughs> Like for pigs, you know the pigs in blanket, the sausage wrapped in bacon, man. Like deep fried a banana wrapped in bacon. Hey, you don't even have to be in the Netherlands. You can do that in your own home, and yeah, nobody can stop you. That that I, I would strongly recommend. So bacon, banana, cheese, maple syrup, and powdered sugar. You'll have a great time. I promise you. <laughs> Unless you're lactose intolerant or well, diabetic, so or, or you don't like bananas, or, or, bacon, ve- or, ve- or, or vegetarian, or vegan, you know. <laughs> but. All, all those things. If you're, if you're if normal, you, yeah. If, if, if you can do it, you should do it. Um, yes, definitely. It's it's like it's you know you were skeptical at first. I right? didn't. Yeah, I I was a non-believer. I have to admit. Yeah, but no, it's it's like I've still not got around to trying it. But it's like all those people that swear by tuna and peanut butter. Yeah, I'm not. I I don't think I don't think it's, that's an experience I need. I I mean I I'm all I'm. <laughs> Like, I don't want to open a can of tuna and a tin of peanut, like a tub of peanut butter just to try it. But if I have one and the other at the or same if you time. Had, would you make tuna in satay sauce? Yes. That's probably the uh, the right way to do it if you have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think like, I think most think most proteins go with the satay sauce. Like prawns, like fish definitely works with the satay sauce. Not a Dutch satay sauce, like a proper, proper satay sauce. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I guess in closing... 
have bacon and banana pancakes and whenever girl, you can. Girl Interrupted is a great work of fiction, but don't go in there looking necessarily for... Advice on, advice mental, health. on mental health. I mean, obviously it's set in the 60s when mental health was a pretty fucking barbaric it was, thing. Well, I mean, this is the thing. It was better than it had been. Like in America, at least in that era, they'd moved away from the institutions where it was like, just round up anybody who's acting weird and lock them away forever. And they'd gone to this more kind of community-based care. But what people understood and the therapies that were available were still pretty limited. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think there is a there is that. But I like I was saying to you before. I think there there was there's definitely been a period of time where um, mental health was kind of a predatory uh, practice. It was like, how can we remove this person from society? Yeah, I think that was the the point of the asylums really yeah. you know, it really was just get these people off the street we're especially, not worried about curing them we just want them out of our faces especially if you're a woman like i mean yeah. jesus christ it was like oh uh, you know she's she she's got she's opinions cr- about politics <laughs> she's reading books and then you talk about like all the all the things all the things like valium and stuff that was just like hey women you're at home you're sad take this drug exactly. yeah that was it it was a really big thing what was where, the one you looked up earlier? uh milltown for, uh, i nearly called you fergus Casimir, don't do that um milltown it was like a precursor to valium and it was very much marketed at american housewives in the 60s in an era when in theory there were a lot more opportunities for women but they weren't able to take them and and medicines like milltown their whole marketing campaign was like are you sad because you're at home and you can't have a career and you've got three kids and you're only 21 and your husband's never here because he's playing golf with his secretary (laughs) take some drugs you know, instead of saying, like, how can we make society better for you? It's just how can we numb you to your life? Uh, a good example of that is um, the recent Netflix hit drama, The Queen's Gambit. Mm. Look at us being current. Um, <laughs> after talking about a film from like a, two decades <laughs> yeah. ago. Um, but yes, like, you know, her mum in that, her adopted mum in that, just taking, and herself. like Yeah, becoming, drinking and taking drugs. Like and- the, the prevalence of just being like, oh, here you go, take these take these sedatives. There's some form of sedative. Mm. They're basically going to make you numb. And don't get me wrong, I love Valium. Like Valium's great. Don't take this as a don't take this as a recommendation. I'm not giving you life advice. I have issues, <laughs> as we've discussed. That's disgusting. Uh, but yeah, I, like Valium, great whiskey chaser. No, no, just, no, 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 no. Can I, can I interject? Yes. Stick with the fucking bacon and banana pancakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't take, don't take. Do take some health, like do take like what you know. Take what I've said, talked about, but don't take my advice on Valium. Um. It, I, I, to be fair, I mainly use it because I have a fucking horrible back. That's true. Uh, but, 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 don't, don't. Uh, so, anyway, in closing, yes, there are some interesting films out there. There are um, interesting windows, uh, looks at how... I think more than anything else with films like Girl Interrupted and, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and things like that, it's a good insight into how people at the time and how the filmmaker views mental illness Mm. more so than it is about societal things. I mean, obviously societal and the zeitgeist at the time will play a role in that, but uh, yeah, it's definitely more than looking at how looking at the mental illness itself or the care itself. It's more the perception of mental illness, I think is more what you can take away from that kind of film. Yeah. So, So that's, that's the thing in closing. So, I hope you've enjoyed this little bit of a impromptu rant on BPD. And I know we, we may have covered some ground that we touched on before, but this is a little bit more focused on just BPD and uh, and especially Girl Interrupted as well. 
a mental health in media, I guess, to some extent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hope you've I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been fun and a little maybe a little educational, a little eye op- uh, opening. Like I say, any other stuff that we've referenced uh, and that I've used for to to prepare for this show in like half an hour <laughs> <laughs> i'll link to in the show notes and you can join us again next week uh, and we'll be back with a bit more of a fun episode where we figure out who's the better bad guy between skeletor and cobra commander it's gonna be good yeah it's gonna be good and we're gonna <laughs> have bungle. To yeah and we're gonna have bungle back and we're probably gonna follow it up um some point after that not not the next episode but the logical next step which is uh serpentor versus hordak mm. and classic hordak not as much not, as i love him not the hordak yeah, from yeah. the the shira reboot um but do keep do make sure you subscribe uh, and watch out for our new episodes because we've also got another episode coming up re- uh, soon where we're going to be talking about hot sauces and we're going to have a new guest joining the show um, so to talk to help us navigate the discussion of hot sauce and that's going to be like what hot sauces are good the levels of hot sauce and how to make hot sauce so yeah if that's something that interests you make sure you click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and uh, stay tuned and until then we shall love you and leave you and we will catch you next time when we talk about Skeletor and Cobra Commander gonna be great take care stay safe